I'm not just happy, I'm her pal. This is Power Up Life, the podcast. I'm your host, Gianna Lucas, co-founder and CEO at Hapal, the social enterprise that powers this podcast. We help you slay life in high school, uni and beyond. Each week on the show, you'll learn epic life skills in a super chill way. Hear from well-known legends as they reveal their biggest setbacks and milestones to date. And you'll find out what our Hapal squad think about a whole stack of topics too. From epic challenges to super raw moments, this show has it all. So let's power up life. It's been one tough year, hasn't it? From bushfires to coronavirus and everything in between, it's totally natural to feel overwhelmed. Somebody who knows this feeling firsthand is Dr. Jodie Richardson. She's not only a best-selling author and speaker, she's also an anxiety expert because she too experiences it even as an adult. Now, because 2020 has been an extra difficult one, I thought to invite Jodie onto the show because she's such an awesome human with a stack of knowledge. Now, in this episode, you'll notice Jodie and I go deep with no question off the table. And because of that, Jodie opens up about her own struggle with an anxiety disorder. She tells us how we can recognize the signs of stress and anxiety in our own lives and explains the difference between anxiety and an anxiety disorder. Plus, she shares a whole lot of tips to help us manage stress, anxiety, and so much more. And of course, like every episode, Jodie will be revealing what she's grateful for. And then to finish off, we go head to head in a challenge. And this one is called Pick Your Pillar. So let's power up life. And I have Jodie on the line right now. Welcome to the show, Jodie. Thanks for having me, Gianna. Now, Jodie, I first have to ask you, you are Dr. Jodie Richardson, very, very official. How did you become a doctor? Like, what? how did you get this title? I headed back to university after being a professional for a number of years. So I started my professional life as a teacher. And uh, after High about school five- school primary school? Secondary school, oh, yes. awesome. Yeah, so I loved teaching and I still consider myself a teacher in so many ways. Yeah, so I taught physical education, health, chemistry and science. But whilst I was teaching, I had uh, a lot of challenges with my own mental health and it prompted me to leave teaching to go and work for Beyond Blue. Yeah. Yeah. Very famous in Australia. Very famous in Australia. Yes, a really amazing uh, organisation that we can really credit so much of our mental health literacy to here in Australia. And uh After working for Beyond Blue for a while, I really felt the need to head back to university. So I did an honours degree and then a PhD. So I have, I'm not a medical doctor as such, but a doctor of philosophy, as they say. But um, that was through the Faculty of Medicine at Monash University. So when you did your honours year, is that right with honours, you have to pick a stream or almost like you have to create a thesis on a particular topic? Is that how honours works? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So Yes, you you essentially do a mini PhD in about nine months. It's a very stressful year and uh, you you do the literature search, you understand what you need to 
um, what you need to know and where the gaps and the knowledge are. And then you design the research, undertake the research and write up your findings. So yes, you, you pr- produce a mini thesis at the end of it. And what did you decide to do your honours thesis on? So I have a huge passion for exercise. And so I looked at uh, the influence of resistance exercise in muscles and how that changes the expression of genes within us. And so it's really relevant because uh, it helps with our understanding of knowing that for a change to occur in our body, there needs to be some sort of environmental trigger often. And so that was the research that I did for my honours degree. But in my PhD, I went down a different track and looked at sports injury prevention. Right. Yes. That's awesome. So you have a passion for sport as well. (laughs) Very much so. Very much so. And especially for the role that uh, sport and exercise play in mental health. So on that, that is, I really want to explore that a little bit more because a lot of us love sport or if we don't play a professional sport or any kind of sport, we love to watch it. And so, you know, combining, I guess, your knowledge about sport and you said, and mental health, you only have to turn on the television, read, read an online article, listen to a podcast to hear that so many people in sport, I mean, so many have experienced some kind of mental health uh, issue of some kind, whether it be anxiety or, or stress. Why do you think it's so common that so many athletes go through immense anxiety? I think the pressure on athletes, or we, we know that the pressure on athletes is really high. It's very public for them as well. I mean, any footballer, and I have, to, I did do a lot of work with AFL um, for many years, and, uh, you know, footballers will go to their local butcher and the local butcher will rib them about, pardon the pun, uh, <laughs> rib them about, the, you know, their performance on the weekend. So there's really little downtime for, you know, elite athletes, particularly those that are really in the public eye to escape scrutiny for their performance and you know also there's a lot riding on on elite performance to sort of maintain a position in a team or be selected for a squad be it sort of a a national level or even olympic level but I also think too that we hear about it and it sort of rings true when we hear about an athlete who's experiencing a lot of mental health struggles but it's just so common in the population it's no wonder I mean we we look at one in uh, five adults will you know will experience an anxiety disorder in their life it's more common in women than men and from a reasonably young age and the thing too about athletes I think as well is that they're they're often sort of week to week their longevity in their sport is sort of really affected by their performance and their training and injury so there's a lot of uncertainty that can come with that as well so yeah, I think, I think it's great when athletes are able to be open and honest about their struggles. It just normalises it for all of us who somehow think they're immune, but they're not. <laughs> None of us are immune. And it's really interesting because, well, one, I just want to say that I've noticed a lot more sports people are coming out and saying, yes, I've battled with mental health and it does normalise it for everybody else. And the second point is I also find that with young people or really of any age, we sometimes don't even realise we are experiencing some kind of heightened stress or or anxiety until someone points it out or sees something a little bit interesting about us and like, hmm, I've noticed a bit of that lately. It's been a bit of a pattern, but often we don't know until we someone addresses it or we have a nervous breakdown and we're like, something's not right. I need help, help, help. Do you know, I mean, I'm sure you do in your experience and and you've written a book about this as well, but sort of understanding the triggers of when the body is going, help me, help me. Like, (laughs) how do we best understand that? (laughs) Yeah, it's really important. It's such an important question because 
if we can recognize when we are feeling stressed and anxious, then we, you know, earlier in the piece, rather than letting it sort of spill over to become a huge problem for us, then we're more able to sort of put strategies into place to manage it, you know, sooner rather than later. And, you know, I notice, uh, you know, I notice I've been doing a lot of online uh, interviews lately and I can see myself and I see this deep breathing and the shoulders rising and, and that difficulty getting sort of like normal breathing pattern going. And that's how my anxiety can show. So when I see that, I recognize that, okay, I might be struggling a little bit more like we all are at the moment. I mean, I have an anxiety disorder that's really well managed, but uh, for all of us at the moment, we're in uncertain and anxious times. So knowing how you respond and knowing what happens in your body when you become stressed, knowing those triggers is really important. So, And do you have any advice as to or examples of when you've seen in working with particular people, young and old, of when the body is being triggered? Like are there certain patterns that you find across all people or some people, like young people? Yeah, definitely, definitely. So uh, it's really important that from the, from the youngest age right through sort of early adulthood that we learn what our triggers are, what, what it looks like for us. And so I really recommend people have a listen to the following physiological changes and see if any of it kind of rings a bell for, for what your experience is. So when we become anxious, our body essentially prepares us for the threat that is apparent even, even if it's only an imagined threat, our body will react in the same way. So if you're at uni and you're having, you've got an exam coming up, your body will react as if a, a genuine threat is in front of you. So things like racing heart, heart rate going up, breathing rate going up, having difficulty getting a full breath, starting to sweat uh, because the body is preparing for a fight or a flight response, which is intense activity so the cooling mechanisms switch on and that's why we perspire when we're really anxious and stressed I didn't actually realize it's because of the cooling mechanism yeah so it's kind of like I know I've got a dog called Pippa she's a King Charles Cavalier cross shih tzu and you know when I take her for a walk she starts to pant but is that like her equivalent of her body overheating because she's exercising and she's trying to cool her body down it's like us when we're stressed we start to sweat because the body's like I'm getting hot help Exactly, because when we sweat, the moisture, when it evaporates, cools us. Yeah, exactly. Whereas dogs don't, you know, they don't have that same mechanism, so they pant for the same reason. You're exactly (laughs) right. Don't pant. (laughs) Need a new podcast, Lessons from Pippa. (laughs) (laughs) We should. That'll be the next series we bring out. (laughs) Yeah, so that's exactly right. And so it's quite phenomenal. And when I think when it when you understand that the the all the changes in our body happen because our body is preparing us to fight some sort of threat. And certainly if we were faced with a genuine threat, if we were being followed down a dark alley or certainly if someone were to sort of jump out and try to sort of steal our phone or something, then we would immediately go into this response, which would be a completely normal and helpful response under those circumstances, all fired up to, to protect ourselves or to run. But when we are mostly anxious, it's under circumstances that are not actually life-threatening. It, it could be, for some people, doing this could be extremely stressful. You know, it could be an exam. It could be going from um, primary school to high school, high school to university. Uh, so Even many different reasons. Starting a job, like starting a new job, going for an interview. Starting a new job or, as we know at the moment, lots of people are losing their jobs. And, mm. and so all of these are threats. And so the body prepares by increasing the heart rate to bring in more blood 
to the large muscles of the arms and the legs. We also have the breathing rate to bring in more oxygen. So we're, we're more energized. Uh, I mentioned before about the sweating to keep us cool when we're doing all of this. And something else that's often really new to people is recognizing that, yes, we might have an upset tummy. We might get a really upset tummy or feel really sick when we're anxious. And that's because blood in the stomach and the digestive system is not needed when we're fighting for our lives. So it gets moved away to, again, the main muscle groups. And um, that's what can give us that sick feeling. So knowing why the changes occur helps to make sense of them and uh, also gives us a clue as to how we can help manage them as well. And I think, I mean, I love everything you've said. I'm learning so much and I'm so passionate about personal development and outside of the power, I do a lot of coaching with young women and, you know, so much of what you said is so relevant in my own life for myself. When I was younger, I had anxiety for many years, chronic and, and quite debilitating. And as you're talking, I'm like, yep, I experienced that. I felt that. And I'm almost doing a checklist in my head of every time I had an anxiety attack. It reminds me of exactly how it felt like it was. it's here again. And it's so true. And no doubt there'd be people listening right now going, yep, I've experienced that or multiple or, or, or just one or two. And I also wanted to ask you in your own life as well, you said earlier that you too have experienced anxiety and you know you you're able to be on top of it and can I ask when did this start when did you start noticing the signs that you had anxiety well thank you for sharing your story too and I I really admire you for doing that I think the more we can talk about it the more other people feel happy and comfortable to do that as well so thank you very much for sharing that with me (laughs) and everyone else (laughs) (laughs) yeah no look I look back I look back and I can see that I had my first symptoms of anxiety when I was four. And I know that uh, it's really, really young, but it's not actually uncommon. It's, is there, there are a lot of young kids and I've spoken to parents who have even three-year-olds who they're really concerned and they're sharing with me signs and symptoms they're noticing and, and uh, are worried about anxiety. So for me, it was going to primary school. I was four when I was in prep. And I was in a class with 53 other kids. Hang on, sorry, wait. For one, you were four in primary school, so you must Mm -hmm. have been either very smart or your parents were eager to get you out of the house. (laughs) And two, you had 53 students in your class. Yes. Is that that legal back then? Goodness. Well, it it was, I know, I know. It's it's a very stressful classroom environment for a teacher, shall we say. And we had two teachers, so that was why it was allowed, but. Uh, yeah, look, I, I was, um, I started school, I guess, in 1978. So you look way younger. I know no one can see you, but you look amazing. So good on you. Whatever you're doing is working, girl. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, I think back then it was more the norm. It was more the norm to start school a little bit earlier. And uh, yeah, certainly not now. And certainly, you know, I would recommend against sending kids too young to school now. But I managed socially, actually, I managed really well. But um, and, and with the schoolwork and so on. But the, the stressful environment of that classroom, which was so hard for those two teachers, and goodness me, you know, they deserve a medal, but it must have been like herding cats. And um, there was so much yelling. There was just so much yelling. And it wasn't at me, but the environment was stressful. And that was really what sort of started to bring about this these anxious feelings, which was the sickness in my stomach. So I'd tell mum every day, I feel sick, I can't go to school. And every day she'd send me. And I'm so grateful she did. But yeah, that was that was sort of when it started, but I wasn't diagnosed till nearly twenty years later. Really? 
Yeah. Now, is that because it was the 1970s and so the 90s you were you were officially diagnosed? Because that's a long time, a long time. Like you would have been, if you were four, that you would have been 24. So you were your mid-20s. Was it someone who sort of said to you, hey, you should see someone and see if there's something up? Or did you think something's not right here, I need to do something about this? Yeah, look, it, it was a long, long time and it was just the normal for me. But the reason I ended up getting diagnosed was because because I'd had untreated anxiety for so long, I ended up experiencing major clinical depression. And that was, it's it's so hard to describe if, if you haven't experienced depression before, but that's a really difficult, uh, really difficult experience. And uh, that was when I went to the doctor because I knew that I was responding to my life in a way that there was just a dichotomy between the circumstances of my life, which were wonderful and how miserable I felt. So I went to the doctor and I was diagnosed with depression. And then as I started seeing a therapist and getting help with that, what we uncovered was that really the base of my problem was my anxiety. And uh, eventually the depression lifted through lots of therapy and medication. I went off the medication and then started dealing with the anxiety. So yeah, that's how it came about. Amazing. And thank you so much for being so open as well and sharing. (laughs) And so now it's been a few years since then. Have you noticed that you've had sort of times in your life where it sort of flared up again and then sort of, you know, calmed down? Have you noticed those peaks and troughs? Yeah. And thank you for saying it's just a few years since then. (laughs) It's really nice of you. (laughs) Anytime. Um, You can pay me later. Thanks, Jana. I will. I will. Um, Yeah. Look, definitely when I was at university, I started a degree that I just wasn't enjoying and I was always a real high achiever and I, it was really difficult for me to be in a university course and then be contemplating leaving. Uh, that was just really not part of kind of the way I operated. So that was, that was a really stressful time, but I was really glad I made the decision to go because really what the gut feeling was telling me, what my anxiety was telling me was I wasn't in the right place. And so that was a difficult time. It definitely flared up. I ended up working for the rest of that year and then going and starting a new course the following year. Also definitely working, you know, starting work was, you know, a new challenge because things are so new and especially in teaching, it's very public, I suppose, in everything you do, you've got lots of eyes on you. And I was very young and I was at a really wonderful school. I wanted to do such a good job. That's a really normal anxiety that everybody experiences that and it settles down. Because I, I want to make clear that the difference between normal anxiety and a disorder is that normal anxiety will settle down when a stressful event or challenge has passed. So with a disorder, it's much more ongoing and debilitating and more extreme. Yeah, uh, so definitely like heightened anxiety for a longer period of time, probably over consecutive weeks, months, even years. Whereas you're saying normal everyday anxiety is when you might have a presentation you have to do and you get a little bit anxious and then it calms down or there might be just a season, that, a, a short little period of time where you have that anxiety and then it sort of wanes and disappears. Yep. Yep. Exactly, gotcha. exactly. Yeah, Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yes, spot on. Yeah, so, and definitely having kids because the, the lack of sleep uh, was yeah, really debilitating for me personally. And so that was a time in my life when my mental health sort of took a bit of a nosedive again. So um, yeah, and it's just once you have a diagnosis and you understand yourself, you can see the signs when things are starting to go downhill. And the sooner we put our strategies into place to help ourselves, the better. Now you mentioned sleep just then, and sleep is so important, no matter how old you are, young and old. 
And you often hear, you know, even when I was in high school, they would always say, and you, they'd be like, make sure you get X amount of sleep per night so you can function, so you can get the most out of your lessons. And even at uni, like a lecturer, if they see, if they ever saw like a student dozing off in the lecture theatre, they would often say, did you sleep last night? Did you pull an all-nighter? And often they get asked because often sleep and also bad nutrition, things like that can severely impact our mental health. So if we're a young person right now that's potentially experiencing some kind of mental health concern, uh, maybe they are highly stressed or anxious, can you sort of shed light on some changes that we can make or they can make to their habits and their routine, whether it be what they're eating or sleeping or consuming to help them feel a little bit better long-term? Yeah, absolutely. And there's so much that we can do, which is a great thing about anxiety. A lot of it's in our control. And one of the things that uh, is extremely important is daily exercise. That's that's a must. And, uh, you know, essentially exercise is the natural end to the fight or flight response because we're being geared up to fight or flee. And often we're anxious and we're either lying in bed or we're sitting in an exam or in a classroom or in a university lecture hall or somewhere where we're not actually moving to to move and do some high intensity exercise it makes a huge difference it helps to use up the adrenaline and cortisol helps to produce endorphins in our system and a particular chemical which is called GABA gamma amino butyric acid GABA that's the acronym that's the acronym G-A-B-A and it's not the GABA where the footballers play AFL in Geelong no not the GABA not the GABA (laughs) mind you lots of GABA would be produced at the GABA but no very different (laughs) very different yeah so it's a really amazing a really amazing neurotransmitter it's actually inhibitory so whereas some neurotransmitters sort of wind us up it helps to put the brake on our anxiety and so uh, it's natural to feel a lot more relaxed after exercise for, for a multitude of reasons. So that's definitely a must have. Secondly, I've mentioned before about the breathing that will calm an anxious brain that will calm the part of the brain. That's like our alarm system in the brain. If you like the part that sounds the alarm that there's danger. Uh, so breathing, definitely mindfulness practices help to bring us, keep our attention in the present. And so using an app like smiling mind and which is free. Yeah, yeah it's an amazing free. free app. And uh, someone like Dr. Craig Hassard has had a lot of input. He's uh, integral to the science behind mindfulness and the development of that app. And he's a leading expert in mindfulness and he's an Australian, so we're really lucky. And they've got Thrive Inside that they've developed to help us through this particularly challenging time at the moment. So I encourage people to do a daily mindfulness exercise. Things like sleep, sleep's critical it's underrated. There's a, there's a great return on our investment when we sleep. And so, but there's also a lot that really will interfere with it. And things like just getting to bed and waking at the same time every day. For the young adults that might be listening who are over the age of 18, <laughs> uh, alcohol actually can make you sleepy and help you maybe to fall asleep, but it really does interfere with the quality of your sleep. So I really advise if you really are having trouble or you're waking in the night, you can't get back to sleep. I'd try giving alcohol a, a bit of a miss and making a comparison between how you feel. So yeah, sleep is a time when we need to rest and rejuvenate and allows that parasympathetic nervous system to really be the one sort of in control of our system. And that's a really important time for us to uh, support our mental health. And in terms of our diet as well, there's a lot of research 
huge amount of research to support looking after our diet, reducing things like saturated fats and sugary foods, increasing whole foods, fiber, uh, so we get plenty of omega-3 fatty acids and probiotics, lots of vitamins and essential minerals like meat, magnesium as well. So they all help support good, good quality sleep, which it's one of the quickest and easiest things we can do ourselves to help our mental health within a day or two. Such essential and I would say easy advice, but I know it's hard to, for some people and sometimes even myself to maintain all those things consistently every day. But it's so important that if we make just small changes, you know, it doesn't have to be drastic changes. And if we do that consistently and slowly, you know, taking lots of small steps, eventually we'll get to that place where we are sort of hitting each of those markers. And just recently in my own life, I've been taking magnesium powder and I've been putting it into just water. And the magnesium powder I get from a local health food store is flavored. It's like a natural watermelon flavor. I don't know how it's a natural watermelon flavor, but it is. And it tastes really good. And I mix it in. So I feel like I'm having a treat. And there's no sugar. It's all natural. Um, and it, I usually take it when my body is tight. So if my muscles are tight or sometimes I'll take it with dinner. So it sort of does its work while I sleep. But you're right. Magnesium does help uh, with relaxing the muscles, the mind to get it ready for sleep time and rest. So, you know, so such great advice, as I said, and I could honestly keep talking with you for ages because I find this conversation so fascinating and it is so important to have uh, consistently as much as possible because, you know, we can hear someone speak and we're all empowered, but if we don't go away and if we don't actually do what the, the things that we've been, you know, hopefully instructed to do, or if we're not supported at home with family or friends that say, yeah, keep going, then we'll forget because other things in our life step in, like other responsibilities, other routines come into play and we forget. So I think having this discussion and having it as a podcast so people can listen to again and again whenever they need a reminder is so important. So thank you for sharing such great advice with us. (laughs) You are so welcome. So don't go anywhere, guys, because next up we're going to be talking about gratitude and some of the biggest and smallest things that Jody is very passionate and thankful for. This is Power Up Life, the podcast. This week, we asked if you prefer to do school or uni from home or the classroom. And here's what you had to say. I personally enjoyed doing school located at home, despite how some aspects were a little difficult in terms of content and lack of face-to-face contact. I work well on my own and can adapt to situations over time. Therefore, I quite enjoyed homeschool and would rather it be that way in most aspects. I prefer to do uni from home, to be honest. I mean, there's things that I definitely miss, like meeting up with my friends and having independence, but I'm a bit of a homebody and a bit of an introvert, so I like being able to pick and choose when my social time is. I do prefer working from home because you can stay all day in your PJs. I would actually do this more often if we could. I prefer doing school in a classroom because I'm a people person. I prefer uni as a mix of both the classroom and home. I love the flexibility of studying from home, but miss the buzz of campus. I would way prefer to be working at work or going to school at school rather than being at home. It just, it's all about mindset for me. I feel that when I'm in my house, I'm in the mindset to relax. When I'm at work, I have that that drive. I prefer doing school from the classroom because I love the social interaction that comes with it. But I do also love the fact that I can learn in my pajamas from home. I'm Carissa Shale, and that's this week's talk topic. 
Got something to share? Drop us an email, yoursay at hapow.com. Love Power Up Life, the podcast? Rate and review us on your fave podcast app. We'd love to hear from you. Okay, Jodie, so I ask each interviewee that comes on Power Up Life to tell me one big thing and one small thing that you're grateful for because as we know, you know, gratitude can really change the, our outlook on life, our mental health, you name it. So firstly, I want to know one big thing that you're grateful for. Okay, so I am eternally grateful to be able to head outside with the kids and get some exercise so every day especially in lockdown we (laughs) exercise a lot anyway but just to have that freedom to be able to go outside go somewhere new and uh, we've got some beautiful local parks that we can visit and uh, especially recently we've named three horses that belong to other people uh, (laughs) nearby our house and we take carrots (laughs) and apples and uh, get out in the fresh air and have a break from the four walls and that is something that lifts our spirits and buoys our uh, mood in, in the greatest way. So that's something that I'm really grateful for at the moment. I think it's a pretty good thing. And how lucky and fortunate and blessed you are that you've got horses that you don't even have to look after around the corner. <laughs> Someone else picks up the dog, well, I was going to say the dog poo, but the horse poo, you know, and all that. And you're there just feeding them, patting them and going, oh, that's nice. <laughs> that is something to be grateful for. And it is beautiful that you've been able to spend even more quality time with your family. All right. Yeah. So now one small thing that you're grateful for. Well, my neighbour next door, she used to be a florist and barely a week goes by where I don't get a delivery in one of her vases of some of the beautiful fresh flowers from her garden. She arranges them, puts them in her vases and then just delivers the vase across. We just like walk through because we're on acreage. She just walks across through the fence and delivers that to me. And the kindness and the thoughtfulness that goes into that gesture, it's just I know, um, Gianna, you can sort of see behind me, there's some roses in a vase. and yes, uh, they're like light yeah. pink. Yeah, they're beautiful light pink. There's some, there's some lavender as well. Um, she does it all the time and it, it's just such a beautiful gesture of, of kindness that I'm, yeah, really, really grateful for. That is amazing. And you know what? Once again, you're blessed because you don't have to look after horses and you have a florist who provides you with vases, not just flowers, every day. Your house will always smell beautiful and look beautiful. I think that's awesome. You're an amazing, amazingly wonderful human yourself. So I can't say I'm surprised that other people want to support you anyway. So that's lovely. Thank you. Now, guys, the time has come right after this. We've got the challenge. Don't go anywhere. Power Up Life with Hapow, a social enterprise powered by you. Alrighty. Welcome to the challenge, Jody. Are you excited? I am excited and I'm also have a sense of anticipation about what's to come. Are you anxious? <laughs> a little. <laughs> Are you sweating? <laughs> no. Oh, okay, okay. All right, so the game we're going to be playing today is a an, an, a Power Original on the Power Up Life uh, show. So this game is called Pick Your Pillar. You will not see this game anywhere else because it is an OG. It's an OG. Now, with Pick Your Pillar, we've decided to do this because as part of a Power, we have six content pillars that our masterclasses will fall into, and that is health and wellness. I hope I don't forget any. Career, uh, <laughs> community, DIY, relationships, and, and money. Money. Yes. <laughs> money. Finance. 
Yes, that's the sixth one. I knew I'd forget, but there's always one I forget. I don't know why. Anyway, um, and so we've got Brendan in again, as usually is these days, adjudicating our challenge. And Brendan has got six questions for you and I, Jodie. And imagine we are watching a game show or on a game show where you where we're contestants and Brendan's the host and we've got six content pillars or six boxes in front of us on the big screen. And you and I get to choose one box each that stands out to us. And when that box is revealed, a question inside of it relates to the name of that box, i.e. our content pillar. So I, uh, you and I both will have an opportunity to answer questions. There's six, so we'll get three each, one in each content pillar. And the person who has the most amount of points, I got the question right, wins. Now, it's nice and easy because it's a true or false uh, question. So we don't have to think about anything. We don't have to use our brains too much. It's a simple true or false. How does that sound? Sounds great. Okay. All right. Brendan, are you ready? He's ready. He's giving me the thumbs up. Okay, he's going to come to the mic. Now, I cannot see these questions. I do not know these questions. Question number one. Oh, oh wait, wait, wait. We're going to pick. We're going to pick. Okay, Jody, <laughs> you can tell this is brand new. Jody, pick a content pillar out of the six. Right, I'm going to try my hand at DIY. DIY. She's locking it in. Eddie? <laughs> <laughs> True or false, the average Australian house takes four to 12 months to build. True. True. Is it true? That's correct. Ding, 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 ding. Okay. One, one point for Jodie. Well done. Okay. My turn. I'm going to pick career. True or false, waitstaff were the most applied for job in Australia last year. As in like waitressing and wait, is that what you mean by waitstaff? Okay. Was the most applied job last year in Australia. I reckon that's true. False. Oh, really? Pickers and packers was the most applied for job. What's as, as in pickers and packers, those sto- stocking shelves? Like packing boxes. Oh, really? I didn't know that. No. Okay. We're learning something here. <laughs> we are. We are. It's an educational lesson as well. There we go. Life skills. All right. Your turn to pick a pillar. Okay. I'll go finance. Going finance. Finance it is. True or false, there are over 10,000 cryptocurrencies around the world. Wild guess, true. True. She's locking in true, Eddie. No, unfortunately, false. There's only (laughs) around (laughs) 3,000. There you go. Oh, there you go. You're still still one point. That's okay. You're winning. You're winning. (laughs) All right. uh, I'm going to go community. All righty. True or false? Uh, environmental activist Greta Thunberg's first campaign she started was a school climate movement called Fridays for Future. Ah. Oh, you know what? I think I know the answer to this, but I'm almost thinking that that's not the way she called what she called it. She, I know it was a. Fr- I know that she got high school students together, and she did use a hashtag, but I don't know if that was the name of the hashtag. And I love Greta Thunberg. I think she's amazing. Uh, I'm going to say. I think it is true, but I think the hashtag is wrong. So I'm going to say false, but I know that she did start something and that's what made her famous. I really hope the name's right. No, it's true. Ah! It's called Fridays for Future. <laughs> oh, that's the name of it. Are you serious? I thought it was something else. I knew. Oh, okay. I've clearly lost the game. I, I don't think I'm going to get much of a comeback here. All right, Jody, your turn to choose a content pillar. Health and wellness. Health and wellness. All righty. True or false, Mark Wahlberg wakes up at 2.30 a.m. every morning. Oh, he's the actor. 
And didn't he didn't he used to be in a band as well or something? Wasn't he a rapper? Yeah, yeah. Ma- Marky Mark. Mark and the Funky Bunch. Ma- Marky Mark and the Funky Okay, goodness. And the Funky Bunch. <laughs> Random. Yeah, good. Well done. Anyway. <laughs> All right. I will say 2.30. That is crazy. Uh, I will say it's crazy enough to be true. Crazy enough to be true, she thinks, Brendan. He is crazy. That's correct. Ah! <laughs> 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 All right. I don't think I've won this, but I'll, how many more pillars are left? One pillar. What have I missed? Relationships. Oh, relationships got rejected. Okay. <laughs> relationships. <laughs> I lock in relationships. True or false, American comedian and actor Pete Davidson is dating pop star Ariana Grande currently. Pete Davidson? I'm pretty sure they broke up. They they had broken they had broken up. Yeah. So false? Well, yes, I'm gonna say that's false because they were together. I believe in 2019 and then there was some like breakup song that they both did or some kind of something or other as they do. And then, and then, yeah, no, nah, they're not together. Unless they've gotten back together, no, nah, but I don't think they have. They wouldn't have gotten back together, no. Nah. I'm going to lock in no. Yep, that's correct. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Okay, Jody. so can you lock in the scores, Brendan? What do we end up getting? Jody, uh, you got two and Jana one, so Jody, you win. <laughs> Do you know what? In all the games I've played on this show, I've never won. Actually, I think I've won once. Once only. That's it. Oh, no. I did something gross uh, on air, and that's the only time I won it. Yep. So, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Woohoo. Thank you so much for coming on our show, Jodie. For people to check you out online, learn more about you, potentially get your book if they love to read about it. I know you've got another one coming out as well. Tell us how can they reach out to you? Yeah, so thank you. So Instagram uh, at D-R-J-O-D-I Richardson, Dr. Jodie Richardson. And uh, you can look me up on Facebook as well. I've got a website of the same name, drjodierichardson.com.au. And I'm guessing, yeah, I was going to say Facebook's the same and your website. Is the same. Yeah. <laughs> nice yeah. and easy to remember. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the show. Wishing you an awesome year ahead. What's left of it anyway. And uh, and all the best with your upcoming book as well. Thanks so much, Jana. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye. Isn't Jodie the best? I could seriously chat with her for hours. She's so genuine and really loves working with young people just like yourself. Now, Jodi shared so many fantastic tips and insights throughout our chat. However, if you're feeling stressed or overwhelmed and need immediate support, please call Lifeline on 13 11 14 and in an emergency, always dial triple zero. Want to be a Hapao advocate and contribute to our weekly talk topics and more? Email us at yoursayathapao.com. And don't forget to follow us on socials. Simply look up Hapao AU to stay in the know. This episode of Power Up Life was produced by me, Gianna Lucas, Maria Dukadinovska, and Carissa Shale for the Hapao Podcast Network. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of Power Up Life, a Hapao podcast. If you loved this episode, be a legend and leave us a quick rating and review on your fave podcast app. Dive into the show notes for all episodes on our website, hapao.com forward slash podcast. Catch you next time and remember to power up.